You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to episode three of the Get Tuck podcast. I am your host, Ryan Robert Tuck O'Leary. Fun fact, Tuck isn't my name, although I do refer to myself as Tucker while at Starbucks. Helps me not to get confused with Kirby, because he doesn't call himself Kirby at Starbucks. He's Ryan. We traded. So, my side project, Off-Road Minivan, released two new songs a couple, about like a week ago. One is called Supernova, one is called Vampire. Please go and give them a listen anywhere you stream music. We have a brand new album called uh, Swan Dive coming out. If you're into the emo, indie, alternative, grunge stuff, rock, if you will, please go and pre-save it on Spotify or Apple Music right now. You have the time. Quarantine is happening. Please go do it. And if you already have those streaming services, then you're really just doing me a favor. I appreciate you, and you might enjoy the songs. So this week on the Get Tucked podcast, we have Daniel... The Shred Machine, Gailey. Most know him as the guitar player in Phineas, and he has now also joined forces with us in Fit for a King. He's been playing with us for about two years now, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to have him in the band. Dude is so damn talented. I think anyone that's gotten to see him play in any of his bands, he was in Becoming the Archetype. He's now also in Phineas and in our band Fit for a King. Everyone knows that he is a super talented guy. He can sing, he can scream, he shreds. We are super lucky. So without further delay, my episode with my friend, Daniel Gailey. Tuck, what is up, my dog? Oh, not too much, man. I am hanging here. Thank you for joining me today on the Get Tucked. Are you ready to get tucked? I'm so ready. Thanks for having me. That's awesome. Yeah, of course. I am honored. It's going to be great. You know, I was thinking about this. Out of all the guys in the band, you're the biggest mystery to me, really. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know the least about... Like, I guess your full background than I do. Like, I knew some of like their shitty local bands or whatever, um, uh, yeah, but yeah. I don't I don't go as far back with you. So this is going to be fun for me and hopefully for everyone else as well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we haven't spent quite as much time together as you have with the other guys. So that that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's going to be fun. I'm excited. This is going to be great. So um one how's your uh your pandemic your quarantine going are you having a good time it's going man um you know just uh taking it a day at a time and trying to be productive um lauren and i bought some bikes we've been riding our bikes on like a little trail nearby um 
So, you know, just kind of doing anything we can to, to stay sane. We've been building forts every Friday in our living room. No uh, way. So <laughs> yeah, so, so that's been fun. You know, just like little things like that help pass the time. It's oh, that's cool. awesome. I love yeah, it. Man. Yeah. I, we haven't built a fort yet, but I think that's a good idea. Oh, uh, you should yeah. try, man. It's fun. It's also way harder than you probably remember forts, you know, being to build. Like... Or kind of like anything yeah. when you're a kid. Well, I think you when know, you're like, smaller, it's easier because you can fit in smaller things, right? So totally. that might I, be I guess your age. I just think of things like um, I think back to, you know, all, all kinds of stuff you do as a kid, like building a snowman or carving a pumpkin. And it, like as an adult, you're like, yo, this shit is way harder than I remember. <laughs> Probably because oh, like your absolutely. parents do all the work, you know? Yeah, but, I think it's, yeah, a lot of that was definitely my, like, anything artistic like that. My mom would just be like, okay, I'm going to do this and do a much better job than you. Cause <laughs> yeah. You're, I'd lose interest after about five minutes. Um, yeah. But snow stuff was fun because we, where I grew up, it was like a cul-de-sac, so it was a circle. And the mm. snowplow would push all the snow right up to the bank of this hill oh, that nice. my parents had in the front yard. And... So we'd have these massive mounds and me and all my friends, like we would tunnel them out. We would like, if they were to get hit by another truck while we were in it, we would definitely die. But at the time (laughs) it was super fun. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I don't really want to build snowmen now. I wouldn't say I have any desire to, but yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a rap song. Let's sing about (laughs) snowmen. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's cool. Whoop whoop, because um, everyone knows that I'm actually secretly a member of ICP, um, and that's my true calling. They do now. Yes. So, Daniel, first thing, what was your first band called? So, oh man, okay. So, this I was thinking about this beforehand because I, you know, I know that you had kind of talked with uh, Kirby and Bob about this stuff and. Now that you've asked, I realize that it goes back even further than I remember or had previously remembered. Um, My first band, I was probably in like, no joke, like the fifth or sixth grade. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's very early. Yeah. And um, I can't remember which came first. We had two names. It was like essentially the same group of dudes and we were just like kind of like a punk band, you know, that was back when like Blink-182 and bands like that were like everything to you, you know? Yeah. You knew your three um, chords and you were going to rock them really hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. And I sang and I have recordings somewhere I'll have to show you. I sound like a chipmunk. It's insane. That's but, awesome. Um, I don't know if I sent it to the band chat, but I, I have my first band recordings too that I oh, need yeah, to share dude. with you guys. I, I got I to hear them. They're super but, um, screamo. But um, <laughs> yeah, continue. So yeah, the, uh, the fir- it, I don't remember, like I said, there were two different names. I don't remember which was first, but I think it was Blackout was the first name. Sick band and name. And then, yeah, it was cool, but it like, I remember thinking like, oh, this doesn't feel like pop punk enough, you know? So uh, we changed it to ADHD, <laughs> which uh, is a uh, way more fitting name, especially at the time we're all just like, you know, middle yeah. school kids. That's um, fantastic. And I mean, unless it had a number in it, I think then they could yeah, be any yeah. more fitting than that. Um, totally. My friends so, that I ended up being in a pop punk band with, their first band was called Narcolepsy. Oh, so that's great. I feel like <laughs> you, know, you just find something silly and go with it. 
Yeah, um, man. Um, and we, you know, we just did like talent, like you know, talent shows, like at the high school, and like uh, played friends' parties, and we were uh, probably pretty bad. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I guess at the time and how young we were, it's like we weren't the worst thing ever. But um, that was like my first like experience with ever being in a band and um after that it wasn't until high school until i started like getting into metal and stuff um and i was uh in a band with some friends called sedeus which is um, weirdly similar to a band that i would later be in sedeus yeah that's awesome it makes me want to sing the amadeus song yeah, it was actually uh, probably uh, it's supposed to be pronounced Thaddeus, but we were just like, oh, this is just a cool looking name. And we didn't know how to pronounce it. So we pronounced it wrong, actually. But that's what it was. And Hello, we, uh, my name is Thaddeus. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. we did that band for a long time, like all throughout high school and, and then some. And, uh, you know, kind of got introduced to like a little bit of touring and. Uh, you know, just like our southeast region, like around Georgia and stuff. And um, so that was cool. That was like my first real taste of like, oh, this is what it's like to be in a band and like really try and do it, you know. And um, we, you know, did all the self-recordings and all that stuff. Like, and you know, we were trying to do it. We had merch and all that stuff. And um, yeah, so that was kind of like my first real taste of like, you know, trying to really get into writing your own songs and, and playing shows and all of that That's stuff. That's awesome. So what would you say time. the band sounded like? <laughs> um, so it was kind of like there were different phases, I guess, like you would have with any band. But um, it was kind of like on the darker, heavier, um, but still like shreddy kind of side. Naturally, um, if you're involved, yeah. I would assume it shreds. Yeah, yeah, right. So, um, I don't know. I, I guess maybe the closest that I could think of. Um, so you remember that band, In the Midst of Lions? Oh yeah, Sam's old band. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. kind of like a long, like it lived in that world. I oh, guess, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that band yeah. was um, slept on a little bit. That was a cool band too. Um, and yeah. he is a super shredder. I, you know. Yeah, Sam's great. Sam's super talented. Yeah, it's interesting because since you come from the Georgia Atlanta scene, you know, I'd mm-hmm. automatically assume you like things that sound like Norma Jean and Botch and like crazy chaos. Um, but you are not much for the chaos chords. You're you were always more into the shred and Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. All the structure, all the yeah. Thank God yeah, you did. I, Someone needed yeah. to do it. Yeah, dude, somehow I kind of missed the curve on all the um, those bands, you know, which are all cool bands. I just, um, I don't know, I guess at the time was really getting serious about um, my guitar playing and everything I was listening to was just like the most insane, you know, like necrophagous, like uh, Between the Buried and Me, like just crazy uh, structured like death metal and progressive metal. Yep. Um, so yeah, I kind of missed the curve on all the, uh, the, the horror chords and chaos riffs, if you will. Yeah. It was my neighbor at the time when we both started like playing guitar together pretty much. And he was learning 
between the buried and me because that's what mm. was like most interesting to him and i was learning like thursday songs so, yeah 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 kind of fitting okay so you were gonna just call it thaddeus because i the other thaddeus the, yeah, people, that, people mispronounce it all the time like we got you know all kinds <laughs> of uh really funny like the deus and like sorry that's so, awesome. yeah, t- I terrible, it. terrible band name, but um, it's okay. Yeah, the, it's, my my high school band name was far worse. I told this one um, to Mom Kirby, I think, but it's uh, it was imposterous. Wow, like hippopotamus rhinoceros. That's imposterous. Well, I don't know if anything is worse than uh, what was Bob's like stalking Laura. Stalking Laura. <laughs> yeah, that's the that stalking of Laura Black. Yeah, that's um, pretty good. Yeah, we've got a nice thunderstorm going on here now, too. Um, so we're going to have a, a good little soothing backtrack behind Ooh. us. That's cool. Sounds wow. nice. The rain pours down in Brooklyn. Okay, so what is next after Thaddeus? So, um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because listening to both Kirby and Bob's like kind of backgrounds, it's just like, man, they were like in a lot of like local bands um and i guess i just like stuck with the same ones for like a really long time um just trying to like make things work uh the next band that i was in after that was becoming the archetype and just started touring like right out of high school oh wow and um yeah so it was like well your skill level was also a little different i think that you you learned so quickly and you were able to play at a level that other people couldn't necessarily play at when they were 18. I didn't know a lot of guys that were 18 that could play like that. Um, well, I, I appreciate you know. it. I mean, I think a lot of it also kind of had to do with just like luck and, um, you know, just where I was at at the time we were playing a lot of shows would become the archetype and stuff. And it just so happened, like, you know, they were losing a member and looking for someone. And I was just kind of like in close quarters already, you know? So it was, it was a lot of like really right place, right time. Not to I've say been, that like discredit my ability or workflow no, or anything like that. No, it's right that, place, know. right time. A lot of the times, yeah. like I definitely, uh, you know, I had same thing. I think you know, with both of us being in fit now too. Um, sure. You know, just kind of things happen. Um, but you know, it's interesting now that everyone is doing those um, pick three out of nine record meme mm-hmm. things on the internet. I've been seeing becoming the archetype come up more. And, really? Wow. Um, on a, yeah, on a few of the Christian ones, a few of the early metalcore, the early 2000s metalcore ones. It's been cool. That's cool. I love seeing that because it was at, it was one of those fonts where at first I had to zoom in on it. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is yeah. this? And I was like, yeah. oh, the, hey, that's Dan's band. That's sick. Yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah. But yeah, you have the deepest, out of all of us, you have the deepest history with Solid State Records because now you've been with three people, three bands are currently in two bands on yeah. solid state records, um, which you'll get to the next part, um, after that. But, um, yeah, so you played with becoming the archetype for quite a while. So continue yeah, to tell us pretty about long that time. kind of journey. Yeah. So, um, just kind of started with them, got to do, uh, two records with them, um, two full length records with them. And that was a really cool experience. My first time in like a real studio. Who'd um, you guys record yeah. with? So for the first record, uh, we recorded with Matt Goldman in Atlanta. 
And uh, man, what a what a guy. Yeah, um, that is personally um, Melvin in, in my side project off-road minivan who has a new album <clears throat> Swan Dive coming out May 15th on Tooth and Nail Records. He yeah, that's his dream guy. He wants to go oh, yeah. and make music with Matt Goldman. Um, but so cool. You're doing your first record with Carming in the Archetype. You're at Matt <laughs> Goldman's. Yeah, dude. And I was I just remember thinking back on it now, just feeling like um, I don't know, like I guess the best way to describe it is just like almost like a little kid. Like I didn't know, you know, what my boundaries were and like what I was allowed to like critique and not critique. You know what I mean? Which is supposed to be like this full on. Just Are you 18 at this point? um, I might have been like a little older than 18, but around that age. Yeah. Wow. What an so, experience. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was and, insane. You know, you know for like those who don't, yeah, for those who don't know, Matt Goldman has done a lot of our favorite records. He's done a few of the Under Oath records, the Chariot. Yeah. Um, I think some S cities burn stuff, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, dude has done a lot of really incredible albums that we all really love and definitely grew up listening to. Um, so what was the album called that you guys made with him? That album was called Celestial Completion, okay. which with a band name like Becoming the Archetype, you know, you got to have equally metal sounding uh, album names, I guess. But, uh, Sick. but yeah. And how so, far along is this into the creation of Becoming the Archetype? Like, have they put out a bunch of records or is this pretty oh, early yeah, on still? Yeah. Um, I think this was like five years after their first record with Solid State came out. Okay, so, so this is around yeah. like 2008 or so, right, maybe? Like t- 2009, 2010, maybe. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Um, so you guys make that record. What kind of tours did you do on that cycle, if you recall? Oh, man. Um, I know that's got to be hard cool at stuff. this point, but... Um, yeah, like for the, for the time, I can remember that being like the first time that I was really getting to tour with bands that I was like oh my gosh, like I never thought this kind of thing would happen, you know? Yeah. And back then it was bands like, um, like living sacrifice and like the showdown and oh, like, yeah. you know, the other like kind of throwback solid state, like godfathers of like Christian metal, if you will. Um, 100%. So yeah, that was a really cool time, man. And, uh, you know, that was like the, the real start of my like kind of, okay, this is what touring is. And this is what yeah. touring with your, your peers who are also, you know, now trying becoming to make your it, friends like, and people trying yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because at that time there were a lot of, um, bands that were starting to become shred bands. I feel like that was the early time of the veil of Mayas of the world, yeah. if you will, mm-hmm. or structures and bands like that. Um, so you guys were kind of ahead of the curve a little bit with what you were doing. It was almost gent before gent. Um, sort of, yeah. With super shred in between. Because um, now that I've gone back and listened to it more, I've, I, it's pretty wild the stuff that you guys were doing at the time. Um, but I definitely see how it fits with the Between the Buried and Me influence or like bands like that or you know super sure. death metal stuff. Um, so... You guys, what did you end up doing for your second record? Who'd you go with for that one? Did you go back to Matt? We did not. We uh, <laughs> we actually went to Shane Frisbee in Cape Cod. Oh, and, good old uh, Shane Frisbee. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I thought I remembered that we had connected before on like that we both knew Shane and whatnot. And, yes. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, another uh, Shane recorded drums for the new Offered Minivan record out May 15th on Tooth Nail Records. There you go. And, we got um, full circle <laughs> yeah, stuff happening left Evan, back. who plays drums uh, in that project, who is also like my big, tall, beautiful best friend on the planet, um, he is in a band with Shane and Slim from Barrier Dead. Oh, no way. And um, cool. the singer from Shane's old band um i am having such a brain fart right now it was 420 yesterday forgive <laughs> me i'm sorry um but yeah they're in like some super chaos band together and at some point i'm gonna like figure out what they were called and then i'll um tell everyone uh bone yeah. splitter it's called bone splitter there you go it came and back to you. yeah it sounds uh kind of like the red cord i would say oh that's cool um but yeah, so they're in a band together. That's cool. You're recording with Shane Frisbee. You're making your second record with Becoming the Archetype. What is this record called? This one was called I Am. And this is probably more of the stuff that you've heard that sounds like kind of more ginty. This was like the time I was like obsessed with, you know, those kind of bands like Periphery and uh, stuff like that. So a lot of okay. a lot more of that kind of stuff was starting to kind of creep into to our. Were you sound. the primary songwriter at this point in becoming the archetype? At this point, yes, definitely. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, Celestial completion was like a little bit more of like a collaborative effort, and at this point, we had we had switched up some members and stuff, and so yeah, I was kind of doing everything with them. Um, you know, like handling pre-pro and stuff like that. And then pre-pro to studios, like not much was really changing. And, um, so yeah, it was like, that's, that was kind of my introduction to, um, you know, how I kind of got into just like building songs and like really learning how to do pre-pro like on a computer for like the first time before that I did stuff on like guitar pro and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, Daniel's, quite the recording wizard and i was going to say to you congrats on Lightworker and their oh, signing to solid state and their music coming out because if i remember correctly you recorded that stuff yes i did yeah mm-hmm. i did that with uh bo burchell he he did all the vocals and, and mixed that so yeah that's, that's coming awesome. out like june 12th i believe so cool and you tracked the guitars and the bass with them and stuff in yeah, cali yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a new band on Solid State called Lightworker. And uh, if you like shreddy bands that are metalcore, you will like their band. Because you will. Because that's what I said. Okay, so back to I Am, which is also a good band from Texas. I like that band. Um, You are making the record I Am. You're with Shane. How is that going? Dude, so yeah, this was... um definitely a different process because at this point I kind of knew more of like what I could do in the studio. And like, if I didn't like, like a guitar tone or something, I could be like, Hey, like, let's tweak that a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't as little kid in a candy shop, like don't touch anything kind of thing. Um, so that was a lot more hands on. Um, and, uh, yeah, just like a cool experience. We got to spend it in, uh, Cape Cod, you know, and just hang out with like Shane and his family. And, you know, that's such a incredible area. You know, we, we got to, uh, you know, spend a lot of days just like on the beach or walking around like cool little towns out there. Have you, have you ever been out there? I've been to Cape Cod, but I haven't (laughs) been to exactly where Shane lives. I've been to, 
um, parts of East Falmouth where Evan grew up. Um, yeah. But I haven't seen Shane's place. But he also, if I, I think he either improved upon his house and built a new studio or he moved and he built this whole crazy drum room and all this stuff. Dude's wild. Um, yeah, the new yeah, studio looks incredible. Yeah, I don't think that um, the place that we recorded uh, uh, is where he's at anymore. I think you're right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can only imagine how goddamn expensive it is to live on Cape Cod. Oh, um, dude. Yeah, unreal. That'd be terrible. Um, ah, lovely. My upstairs neighbor, um, he is running amok. He's like four years old. and <laughs> Yeah, he... It's the worst. I'll try to record these like super bad emo songs because um, that's my excuse at like trying to learn how to record. Because I'm like, well, all I need is acoustic tracks and vocals. Like, how hard is yeah. that? Um, <laughs> but then I'll be like in the middle of a take and think I'm doing a really good job, and then he just stomps through everything. Ah, like, uh, that's the worst. Yeah, yeah. He's a good kid though. I mean, I can only imagine being a child being quarantined right now because I'm pretty terrible myself. Um, I was like jumping around so much that our bed was like so broken that Danielle and I had to buy a new bed because <laughs> it like it just had like slats and and people are gonna make jokes there and be like oh it's from sex but it's like, literally not it's because I am Grow a giant up, everyone yeah I'm a giant <laughs> troll man and um I like to play like a toddler I guess and like attack her but not in some sort of like perverted baby way either you freaking perverts. I'm just an idiot, and I break shit because I'm clumsy. And my bed was broken, so we bought a new bed. Fuck. Yeah, that um, Motherfucker. <laughs> um, we can cuss on this show. That's why I called it Get Tucked instead of Fit for a Podcast, because really they're one and the same. Um, but it's not the same because on Get Tucked, you can say whatever the tuck you want. Huh? There you go. <laughs> uh, that's what that's what the yeah. people want. At that least I would hope that's what the people would want. I think so. I thought about that a lot where I, I was like, well, do I try to be a tame, responsible 31-year-old adult and not act like a total, you know, douche on the internet? <laughs> and then but then I was like, that's such a struggle for me cuz all the time all I want to do is act like a douche. Um so <laughs> it's natural and we're going to keep it that way cuz I feel like it's good. Um, yeah, man. Uh, you just opened a Dr. Pepper or a beer. Which one is it? Uh, neither. It, I, I'm on that Perrier game still. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That's I'm, cool. I might, uh, I might de- depending on how long we go here, I might crack into I got some modern times brews that I've That's been cool. uh, wanting to crack into. So we'll see if I get to beer mode. If you, Yeah, let me know. I'll go and, and get something out of my fridge too. Right now I have one blue moon left, but we have some gluten-free beers because you know Daniel's gluten-free. But, oh, yeah, and uh, yeah. they're really not that good, but um, mm. I'll drink it because it's beer and it's cool. Like, you know, because drinking is cool and I like yeah. doing it. It makes me um, enjoy quarantine more. Absolutely, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. I am. You made that record. What's next? What's going on with Becoming the Archetype? So the band kind of started to to fizzle out at that point. Like I mentioned, we had lost like a couple like core members. Like we lost a vocalist. We lost a drummer. So like a big transition period for the band. And <clears throat> It's just really hard, like, anytime you lose a front man, you know, like, could you imagine, like, God forbid, like, we ever, you know, oh, lose Ryan Kirby, but it would yeah, end there's in just a no way. 
Yeah. So um, that was that was kind of the thing, you know. It was just like, oh man, like this is this is going to be tough. But you know, we gave it a shot, and I think we made a cool record. But naturally, things started to kind of fizzle out. So yeah. Um, did you get anyone notable to replace the singer, or did you um, have like a friend that did it? Yeah. So it was a friend, and it was actually. Um, the singer from Thaddeus who I had mentioned before, like my oh, local band. And that's so, awesome. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, getting dude, to bring uh, your boys through. That's cool. Yeah, man. You always got to look out for the homies, you know, and if they're trying to do the same thing you are, like if you're able to help people out, help people out, you know, I agree 100%. Um, so that's cool. You guys gave it a shot. You did some tours maybe. Um, yeah, we toured a little bit. Mostly mostly headlining stuff, you know, t- trying to throw bone to smaller bands and stuff, taking smaller bands out, which was cool. But, you know, it just wasn't really um, super sustainable. Uh, you know, we were coming home, like barely making any money kind of thing. And at that time, yeah. you know, we're getting older. So it's just like, okay, we can't really – do this anymore a lot of us like lived in apartments and and, you know like had bills and stuff at that time as well so yeah yeah i would say what you gotta do headlining is always nice um you know financially but it's always good to be able to um support bigger tours to grow your band and i think when you reach a point where you don't really find yourself supporting very often is when it becomes a struggle to sustain your band because then you hit that ceiling you're not growing anymore um So you guys, uh, how long did you go before you threw in the towel and stopped playing as a band? Um, God, probably longer than we should have, honestly. But um, you know how it is. I mean, when you're just like, yeah, this is what we do. Like, I can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you give it all you got. So that's what we did. And <clears throat> eventually it just kind of fizzled out, you know, after like a year or two maybe. And um, I think I had, I had moved – uh, to Atlanta proper at this point. I was okay. living in like a, my hometown called Cleveland, Georgia, which probably no one has ever heard of. But, oh, um, what a great name, though. Yeah, it's cool. It's close to um, a town called Helen, which a lot of people maybe have heard of. It's like a little German town in uh, like the bottom of the Appalachian Mountains. But um, yeah. My so- mom grew up in a place called Germantown. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. It's that really tiny. Cool. It has one stoplight in it. It's badass. Wow. Um, that's wild. Yeah. Um, okay. That's cool. You moved to Atlanta. Band broke up. So, yep. So at that point, um, you know, I was just kind of like, all right, like I'm going to try this like city thing out for a little while. Um, you know, I had gr- like grown up going to Atlanta and stuff, but I, you know, at that time in my life, it was like coming to like the end of like a chapter kind of thing. And mm-hmm. It was just like, I need, I need something new, you know? Um, so I moved to Atlanta and just like kind of did the nine to five thing for a while, you know, um, I was working at a sandwich shop <clears throat> called Witch Witch. Uh, oh, yeah. Some people may have heard of. Yeah. What a lovely yeah. chain. I enjoy their sandwiches. Yeah, dude. It's good, man. Um, I would I would I would go for a grinder <laughs> right now if I could. But uh, oh, you know, yeah, I don't even know if they would be open maybe for takeout or something. Maybe. Know, maybe we'll see. Yeah, uh, but actually, not in in Georgia next week. A lot of things are going to be open. Um, yeah, which so. is insane, dude. I was Crazy. just talking to my to my parents, and they're like, as of last week, my mom was just like, "Yeah, we just had two people like confirm cases." Uh, so I don't know. It sounds like it's like 
getting worse, but they're just like not taking it as seriously as maybe they should be. But they're trying to exercise their freedom, Daniel. Oh yeah, dude. Well, they need haircuts. It's fishing season. I want to get my boat out. And if you're from Georgia, I'm not saying that you definitely talk like that. I'm just being a silly goose. But (laughs) But you probably do. But you probably you do, and I got freaking freedom too and i want to do whatever the heck i want <laughs> but um that's cool uh enough about that though that's um because that's silly anyway um the whole you know just to be clear i think the whole thing itself is silly it's crazy it's the thing yeah. that you would never assume that you would live through and we are in the middle of it um so crazy yeah man but, we're doing it so right now you're not in a band. You're working at Witch Witch. You're in mm-hmm. Atlanta. What's going on, Daniel? Dude, you know, I'm just, uh, like I said, kind of trying to start like this new chapter in my life, like really uh, coming to adulthood. I mean, I was already definitely an adult, but I guess sometimes whenever you, you know, yeah. start touring really young, maybe that's delayed a little bit. <clears throat> so... I mean, we're, you know, I think we can both agree we're, I, we're still not fully adult. No, I'm certainly not. Um, and I wouldn't, I would say it works either way. I've seen it where touring can make people grow up quicker. And I've seen it where touring just completely stunts someone's growth where they're just sure. an 18 year old in a 30 year old's body, um, <laughs> yeah. which I think that mentally I'm somewhere around like the maturity of a 15 year old or so. Um, but I just, I look like at that lady at the grocery store said I looked about 44. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, either way I'm fucked. I actually, yeah. I'm, I'm, I have a lot more white and grays on my face currently. Cause I, I just trimmed my beard for the first time yesterday of the entire quarantine. Wow. Um, I looked like shit, dude. It was terrible. Um, wow, dude. Yeah, it was really, really bad. And uh, But I'm going to do that. I'm going to grow my beard out. Um, and I'm going to you know, get crazy with it. Maybe start braiding it or something. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, we got we to gotta do something to entertain ourselves in, the, in these times, you know? Yeah, so. some people would say start a podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Or to build a fort in your living room, you know? I'm. We're actually going things. to do that because Danielle is in the room reading a book, being a smart person while I do this, and <laughs> and she looked up when I said that. So I think that means I'm down. Um, yeah. Because any other time she just doesn't look up because she acts disinterested. Um, so it's pretty cool to be able to tell. <laughs> I enjoy. Yeah. It. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to make forts. Um, Absolutely, man. Okay, sandwiches, Atlanta, boom. Yeah. So. You know, just trying to figure figure all my stuff out there. But I, I worked at Witch Witch for a while, and um, you know, was it was it was I guess like the first time in a long time that I was like, okay, well, if I'm not gonna like put all my eggs in like a touring basket, they need to be somewhere. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, like I guess I'll just take working seriously. That's like the only thing I have going on at this point. Like I need something to you know put all my focus into, kind of thing, and so. I worked my ass off there and like ended up actually becoming general manager of the store. Whoa. And yeah, so it was like, okay, sweet. Like this is like going really well, you know? Um, and then out of the freaking blue, dude, um, I'm like working my ass off. It's a switch, switch out of the, out of the blue, good old Bruce Kelly 
gives oh, me a call. Wow. Yeah, which you know, you know our boy Bryce. Um, yes. You have to get him on at some master. point. Oh I'm yeah, sure I plan on it. Yeah. Um, I can't. I'm gonna kind of get the whole crew on in time. Um, that's my plan for everyone to meet and understand what everyone does. But yeah, Bryce Kelly, it. one of our favorite people, plays bass in Phineas and also is the tech lord of Fit for a King as well because we yeah. can't get enough of him, so have to be around him at all times. <laughs> yeah. um, so Bryce calls you. What happens? Yeah, so he calls. They, uh, they've like lost a guitarist. Um, and he, you know, they're like scrambling to, to find someone. And, um, I guess, you know, they had the thought of me. I had, I had met them back in like becoming the archetype days and stuff. And, um, for anybody who, you know, knows like Phineas's music, it's like pretty balls to the wall, just like crazy. You're basically just soloing the whole time. So yeah, it's I, I re- ridiculous. like an, initially, I was like stoked and like flattered that he was calling, you know, and he was like, Hey, like, are, are you like still trying to tour? And part of me is like, yes, like get me the hell out of here. But the other part of me was just like, dude, I don't know if I can even play like the stuff that you guys have, like it's insane. And, um, that was like the most challenging, um, time I've ever had, like learning, uh, you know, like so the guy that you replaced really was a shred shred lord. He was super oh, good. Oh yeah, yeah, very very good. Um, okay, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, there's even still some stuff on those early records that I would struggle to play or just totally not be able to play. Like yeah, he was he was really good for sure. That's amazing. That's crazy. So, um, okay. Well, yeah, it was. Did, it was was cool. there two guitar players in the band, or was it just you? No, uh, it was just just one, and um, so that you know was another kind of challenge because it was just like okay, well I gotta <laughs> I gotta definitely you gotta do be a hell of a job, now. yeah, yeah. Okay, everybody, here is the part of the show where I show you a band that I like. This is a band called Ghost Chant. They're from the Hudson Valley in New York, which is, as most of you know, where I come from and grew up. Um, I've been friends with a couple of these guys for probably the better part of 10, 15 years now. Um, We played a lot of shows together and they've put together a really cool project over the last couple of years called Ghost Chant. If you are a fan of, say, the Ghost Inside, Counterparts, Defeater, the early Being as an Ocean stuff, this is absolutely the band for you. They have a new single out. It's called Make a Home of Me. And there's also a video of it on YouTube if you're more into uh, a little visual stimulation right now while you're in your quarantine. But please go and listen to this band. I think they're super freaking good. Guitar work is incredible. They write great songs. Screamer's fantastic. Lyrics are great. I really think you'll like it. Next thing. We right now have been given the opportunity to have a link on our Spotify where you can donate directly to our crew. So if you have a moment, maybe an extra dollar or two, maybe you're back at work, go to Spotify, donate a dollar or two. We are going to be giving all that money directly to the guys that have been working for our band over the last couple of years that have been most affected by this tour along with us, by this loss of tour, I should say. It's been a huge bummer to be um, stuck at home and not be able to play any shows. But uh, rather than just our emotional um, shortcomings, it is 
really hurting some people's wallets. So please, if you get the chance, go to Spotify and donate a couple bucks. Another place that you can do that is through uh, ForTheNomads.org. It's been put together by my friend Frank Vanelli. He is a merch guy himself, and he tours the year, uh, year after year, trying to get out there and meet every one of you and also serve you your favorite cotton. So if you go to ForTheNomads.org, you can donate some money, and that will go directly to, I believe it's about 40 different crew members, and they've raised over $29,000 now. So that is a huge help, super cool thing that he's been doing. So thanks, Frank, for doing that. And lastly, this uh, past week, I was on a show called Metalcore Nerds with my friend Sean Mott. He is a booking agent and a very cool guy. He used to play in a band called Ghost Ship. And if you get the chance, go listen to that podcast. It's super freaking good. He likes to nerd out with people who happen to be in metalcore bands generally. And they talk about nerdy things. I don't know a bunch about nerdy things other than Dragon Ball Z and Yu-Gi-Oh! So we talked about that for a while. But then we just talked about bands that I really loved because I thought it was a show that you nerded out about metalcore regardless it's great go listen to it you'll love it you can listen to it anywhere you stream podcasts thank you now on with the show Come on, die! 
So what was the tour that they needed a guitar player for? So that was the Artery Foundation Across the Nation Tour. And that was, uh, let me see if I remember, it was Dayseeker opening. Um, This is before people like really even knew who Dayseeker was. I feel like Um, their newest record is what just boomed them right now. Oh, yeah, dude. It's so good. But yeah, it's incredible. What a record. Um, so it was them. It was um, a Destria. Oh, band nice. from like San yeah. Diego, I think. They're on um, the Fit for a Kings, um, like Spotify bands you might like thing, ironically really? enough, still, even though they haven't played in like 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, ha- they haven't been at it for a while. But then it was uh, the Browning and um, the Italian Boys Upon This Dawning. So it was unique lineup for sure. Very spicy. Yeah. And we were somewhere in the in the middle of that. Uh, I don't even Who remember where. But upon this dawning. And unfortunately no one cared. And that's probably why they're not a band anymore. But Yeah, uh, that doesn't pe- that doesn't sound like the most enticing tour to me, but you know, who Yeah, people people came out for the Browning. Like it was at, at the time anyways, I was like, Oh man, like this is that band really cool, you know? Yeah, like yeah. this is these are pretty good turnouts. So Yeah, they still and they're really big in Europe too. Um Yeah. It's interesting how that works out. I was talking about this on a podcast with Sean Mott yesterday that we just recorded for his show, Metalcore Nerds, where we were talking about Stick to Your Guns and how massive they are in Europe, where they're definitely a big, sizable band in the States. They draw a lot of people. They do very well. But over there, they're certifiably fucking huge. Oh, um, it's there, it's insane watching that band play, and like mm-hmm. even at Empiricon when Jesse just played an acoustic set at Empiricon, it was crazy. So, dude, well, yeah, there are yeah. a lot of bands over there that like you wouldn't really think twice of, uh, like over here. Yeah, one that we but mentioned then, was Lionheart. Um, yeah, dude, them doesn't do. And, yeah, it's crazy, man. But yeah, that's, they definitely that's do well. You. you know, they do. They draw you know a couple hundred people here for sure, but over there, a couple you know thousand, a couple thousand. Yeah, massive band. Yeah, it's wild. Um, yeah, it's interesting how that works. But okay, you join Phineas, you go on this tour, and then do you like join the band at that point, or uh, yeah? What's so they the deal? they asked me um, the last day of the tour, you know, like if I wanted to like just be in the band. Um, and you know, I was I had so much fun on the tour, and you know, I I mentioned earlier that it was like the most I had been challenged like playing guitar probably ever you know so at that point definitely it was just like probably the peak of like my guitar playing and i was just like dude i'm feeling awesome you know like yeah like this is a blast like i definitely love to do this more um so yeah we we started our little our little bond from there and quickly got to um you know writing together and stuff so uh yeah it was definitely a cool time that's sick. You're so lucky because those guys really are the best. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I know I've always enjoyed spending time with them. I mean, obviously, be that we still have you and Bryce in, in the yeah, fucking yeah. band. Um, half, half of Phineas already, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I really would say that even the guys that are just, like, crew members of our band, like, everyone's in the band. It's like we're all... You yeah. Like, we spend so much time together. It's stupid because even when we're out on tour together, it's not like we are trying to avoid each other. It's like, oh, let's all play Smash and hang out and drink some beers and, like, actually enjoy each other's company, which is yeah, man. fantastic. Nothing makes me happier, and I miss it very much. Um, 
But we will be back. We will. We will be back. We will be back at, at some um, point in time. Yeah, someday. Um, so what else? <laughs> what happens for Phineas next? Do you guys make a record? Do you go on some more tours for a little while? Had you recently put something out? Where were you at? So it's hard to remember like the exact timeline, <laughs> but I can give you like a rough uh, kind of idea of what happened. We we might have done like a few more tours here and there. Okay. And um, man, it's so hard to remember even who all we toured with because Phineas was probably like the biggest chunk of time out of like any band that I'd been in. So everything kind of starts to run together. But we yeah. did we did immediately get to writing, and. Um, I can remember, you know, I had Sean fly out to Atlanta um, for like a couple weeks, and we just wrote like this entire record. Um, since I've been in the band, Sean and I have been like kind of the primary songwriters. Yeah, you've it, always it, told me that he can shred, like he can he yeah. can play guitar pretty well and and get the ideas across to you. Pretty, yeah, dude, his, yeah. his his ideas are the main thing. Like he is a good guitar player, but it's mainly just like the way that he thinks about playing guitar that um, are things that I would never think of doing. So the two of us like getting in a room together, like we can come up with some wild shit, you know? Um, so it's, it's definitely like a sick, like tag team kind of thing. And that's the way it's been since I've been in Phineas. Um, that's awesome. So yeah, we, we write this record in Atlanta together and, um, he would he would tell you the the same story probably. I just have like such a fond memory of like we're writing this song and like we go out to like smoke a cigarette or something like to take a to take a break or whatever and we're just like letting the song like loop in the background and we're just like so stoked like on on what we're hearing. Oh yeah. Um, that we're just like fired up, you know, and like that was such a cool time. Um. It's like one of my favorite memories of just like writing with someone and you just know just imprinted like ha- in your blast. brain. Yeah, yeah, dude, such stuck a cool there time. forever. That's fantastic. So, um, yeah, yeah. Sean has such a lovely energy about him. Where I'm, you know, I think he just brings out the best in a lot of people. He's a super, super loving guy, super positive. Um, yeah, and that's awesome. Um, and what a fucking vocalist, dude. Yeah, dude, so good. Can switch between the screams and the singing effortlessly. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen him lose his voice in all the tours we've done together. Um, no, I can't really recall of any time either. Like, I know he'd, he'd done, like, vocal rests, like, after shows, every, you know, every now and then. But even that was pretty rare. Yeah. Dude's nuts. So, <laughs> um, so you guys make a record. You wrote an mm-hmm. album. Where do you go to make this one? So we did this all all ourselves. Um, this was the record uh, till the end. And, um, the time we had um, the band w- was on a record label uh, called Red Cord Records, which is like a whole story on its own. But luckily, they got out of that, and yes. we were free agents for a little. You want to talk and- some shit? You can talk some shit. Does, does <laughs> that label still exist? Um, I don't think. I don't think it does. I hope it doesn't. Um, okay. It's not really my shit to talk just because I wasn't really in there for that. I mean, I know how shitty it was. I'll get Bruce to do it. I'll ask. I won't get Bruce to do it. I will request Bryce Kelly to talk 
some doo doo about that. Oh, I'm record. sure he will. He will gladly. <laughs> he will yeah. gladly pitch in. I feel like when I speak with him, like I have to have a whiskey with him, just like I feel oh, like yeah. I have to drink a beer while I talk to you. You gotta do that. And you gotta um, be like smoking a pipe or something. Well, you know, you know. With, with dude, please. Come on. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. You know. Who am I talking to? Yeah. yeah. Come on now. Um, but um, yeah. Um, you can still do that indoors. Um, yeah. But uh, so you guys make this record. You did it yourselves. Did you mix it as well? So I did not mix this one. Um, uh, Joel Wanasek mixed uh, Till the End, and we put that out on Artery Recordings. Very cool. And, yeah, it was a, that was a cool cycle that was um, – we got to do a lot of really cool tours on that cycle. Um, Anything notable when, that you can recall? Well, I think that's whenever uh, we met you guys was probably on that cycle, doing the four day tour together. Oh, okay. That was yeah. like the Wake tour or something. I think if my timeline is correct, I think you that's... guys, Silent Planet, Gideon, us for today. Yeah, 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 dude. What and a, a lot of Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah, or a Can Jam. Can Jam. Can jam. Can jam. Sorry, yeah. pardon me. Whatever. Great times. Great. Yeah, times. that was a fantastic tour. Um, bunch of homies on that one. Um, yeah, man. Okay, cool. All right, so then we're. I'm starting to catch up here. Um, starting yeah, yeah, to know you in the timeline. <laughs> um, so any other tours during that time that you can think of oh, that you were man. super stoked on? We we did a ton. Like it's it's hard to even remember if I really sat down and thought about like what tours that we yeah. were able to, I think like we went to, to Europe, like for the first few times, like on that cycle, um, you know, we, cool. we got to do like a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. You um, guys were road dogs, our road dogs. Well, I guess yeah. not road dogs anymore because we stole you and Bryce. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, but, we were at, at one point in time, we definitely were, um, yeah. and still may, you know, kind of, kind of tinker around here and there when we have time, but you know, everybody just has so many different priorities now and, um, I saw a video with Seb playing the other day, and yeah. it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was um, that was on uh, the Azalea Dying tour that we did, and we uh, we as in we like Fit for King had already booked um, that uh, um, what tour was it? Emir in Europe, and that Azalea Dying offer came in super super late. So I had already like agreed to, you know, go to Europe and all this stuff. So I did basically like the first half of the tour or whatever, and then had my buddy, uh, Sebastian who, uh, played in a, in another band called darkness divided, another, another great shred band, fantastic guitar player. Yeah. Um, you know, he was like the only guy I could think of who was just like, he can do this, you know, dude, I watched so, the video of him playing it and it just, you know, he looks effortless. It's stupid oh, yeah. how good he is at guitar. He's insane. He's insane. So yeah, he he filled in for me on that so that I could go and um, you know do do my stuff with with fit and and tour Europe and everything. Uh, so yeah, definitely thankful that that was able to happen. But man, what a what a hard tour to leave, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean touring with As I Lay Dying guys is so fun in general. Plus, yeah, and luckily we got to I do saw it, that one know? in Poughkeepsie, and I mean, seeing shows in Poughkeepsie, New York may not be everyone's uh, highlight city, but it was packed as hell, it was sold out, it was crazy, everyone was so excited, the band sounded amazing, everyone sounded amazing, but as I lay dying, when you get to watch them for the first time again, 
after, you know, you know, having not seen them in 10 years or whatever. It was a mind blowing thing because, you know, I think there's obviously plenty of conversation to have about that topic all in all. Uh, I would say that our whole band is a huge fan and we love them as people and we will always ride for them and um, play with them anytime that they call my fucking phone because Absolutely. they are the metalcore gods and they They're the best, <laughs> yeah, best metalcore band ever exists. Um, so that's cool. You guys went out on the, as I lay dying tour, you left, you started filling in with us and how many tours had you done with us at this point? Um, Oh man. Cause that, I maybe, guess we jumped like a, a little bit. Like we jumped maybe a Phineas record or two and yeah, all of a yes. sudden you're playing in, fit for a king kind of yeah so that that as a dying tour was on a on a different record cycle that was a record called dark flag which uh sean and i wrote and we also recorded that one in-house and that was the one that i did mix yeah um like we did everything ourselves on that well that's not true uh kind of circling back um we did go back to um or i say we i went back to matt goldman with Sean to do vocals for that record. That's awesome. And so got, got to work with Matt again, which was awesome. And at this point, you know, it's like I'm fully aware of like how the process works. And, you know, so like we had a, a much cooler experience of just kind of like being more creative, I guess you could say, in a collaborative effort. But um, yeah. so, yeah, like that was uh, that's the most current Phineas record. And um to answer no. the other question, like I think I had probably been touring at, at this at that point in the timeline, uh, probably like a year with you guys already. Because, yeah, yeah, it had been a while. Just to, I'm curious, real quick. Now, you guys put out a record on Artery Recordings before you mm-hmm. signed to Solid State, so you went from the Red Something label. Yeah. Then you did oh a one record on Artery Recordings. Yeah. Okay, and you were a part of that record. I was, yep. Okay, and you self-recorded that one? Yep. Okay, and yep. then you just did one album there, and then you went to Solid State? Yeah, so basically what happened was um, for my first record um, that ended up coming out on Artery, uh, there was kind of like a battle between um, like Solid State and Artery to like put this out or whatever. Um, okay. And so there was a, a little break in the gap of my solid state tenure, which is, uh, we try not to count it. I want to say I've been with solid state for like 12 years now or something ridiculous, but, um, yeah, there was like a little gap, uh, artery ended up taking the record. And, um, I mean, I don't want to say it was a mistake cause like we definitely met a lot of really cool people from that decision you know like yeah mike, you met mike scott milford, lee maybe through that yeah, yeah yeah absolutely like mike milford helped us out a ton uh met scott lee who was our manager um and who i actually i think is responsible for helping me get the the fit gig if i'm not mistaken i don't know how much All credit right. he would take for that but i think it definitely had a good chunk um it <laughs> yeah. was i mean a lot of it was really just we knew you, we toured with you sure. and yeah. we wanted you, but I think having, um, Scott and Corey's relationship and having him, um, be kind of like, okay with it. Like hearing him say, 
to you or to myself, um, yeah, he would be stupid not to do it and not yeah. saying that in any form of gloating manner, just repeating a kind of, you know, conversation. Yeah. He, it felt better because I do care about what he thinks and I care about him as an individual and we don't want to upset him the same way that it, it feels better to have um, Bryce with us on tour as well because it just seems stupid um, to not kind of keep everybody together. Where the reason why Sean is left out of that is because at this point in life, Sean had a baby. Um, yeah. So Sean was home being a father. It's not like we just went in and butchered Phineas. Um, <laughs> yeah. Phineas was in an interesting place because Sean was be becoming a father. He had recently gotten married. And that, you know, for anyone naturally, that takes up a lot of time as Fit for a King had recently experienced with Bob. And so you have this chunk of time where it's like, man, I at least need like a year of being home watching my baby. And you and Bryce still wanted to tour. Yeah. So it was kind of the perfect opportunity for us to be like, man, you're in the camp. We already know you. We're all already friends. Like, this would be the easiest thing ever. And, um, you know, despite the first tour that you did, I had my biggest mental breakdown ever. Um, yeah, that was a that was a weird time for you guys. I had a freaking blast, but I can remember it was. Oh, by the way, hold on. Steve, tell me if you can hear this. Oh yeah, do you do? All right, let me go get one. Hold on. I'm that's, go get now that's a juicy one. Oh, I need to go get a beer. Hold on one second. Mmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna drink my last blue moon before I get back to the gluten free stuff. Atta boy. Atta boy. Yes. Hey cheers. Hey, cheers, brother. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, um, same to you, man. Yeah, it was an interesting time period. I mean, I had a hard time, you know, not being with Bob because I was used <laughs> to always being with Bob because he's my totally. boyfriend and you know, we had a lot of time together. But also that was just a weird tour for me in general i just had a lot of emotional problems and um i had a little had a little mental breakdown on that one um but luckily yeah. we got our shit together we figured yeah, it, it all out. worked out i um, can remember specifically from going into that tour and like you had mentioned earlier like we we knew each other like we had toured together like in separate bands before but like we didn't really like know each other know each other the way that you know someone whenever you are like in the same vehicle with them kind of thing so Absolutely. i can remember kind of being like oh like i'm sure th it'll be fine you know but i don't really like know these guys know these guys like know their tendencies and their habits and you know like yeah. you come to find out with your your bandmates and stuff so um, and i'm you know i'm a, a bit harder to handle than ryan and jared are ryan and jared are so calm and easy and thoughtful and i'm a little bit uh a lot more emotional and um a little off the cuff uh i guess there's lots of hot and cold so it's it i wouldn't say i necessarily hit cold very often but there's just no. hot sometimes um sure. but yeah that was such an interesting time period and i think just when you're in a bus with people so at this time we're in Europe. It's a Miss May I headliner with us mm -hmm. and with Void of Vision and with Currents. I'm actually looking at the poster currently. And nice. you're in, in Europe 
and you're in these double decker buses where everyone sleeps on the top together mm. and just gets so gross and I get kind of germy and weird and it makes me yeah. angry. And then everyone has to, you know, unload the trucks together and stuff. And some people weren't very good at that. And that made me <laughs> upset to the point where I started using the air horn app during people sleeping at hours oh, in the yeah. morning. I, remember, I totally remember. I forgot about that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Um, but so we get through that tour and things start to look up, I would say, um, for yeah. us. But at that point, you hadn't officially joined the band um, Vipera King yet. So you put out Dark Flag with Phineas. You guys still did some touring, I think, after this point, right? Yeah, yeah, a good, a good bit. I think it was... Um, on you you guys' headliner with In Hearts Wake. That it, I remember it was day yes, one. Sir. We were in St. Louis at Fubar, I believe. And Bob, like, wasted no time. Like, did not fuck around. <laughs> he, like, just literally within minutes of, like, us arriving and, like, saying hi to me. He was like, hey, uh, got to ask you something. And Jess was just like, can you do this uh, European tour? I was like, uh, well, like, can I ask That's my wife? So Bob. That's so <laughs> Bob. I know. So Bob. I know. So I'm just like, yeah, like, can I ask Lauren? Like, it's, or do you need an answer now? And he was like, oh, like, just whatever. I was just like, okay. Well, like, good to see you. Really <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. he made it sound like super urgent. So like, yeah, if I can have like, a, you know, a little time to figure it out. But, you know, like, talk to Lauren about it. She's like, yeah, like, that's a, a great opportunity, you know. And so, yeah, it worked out. And uh, But, yeah, dude, it was, like, super funny how, how all of that worked out. That was a great tour, too. It was Phineas, Like Moths to Flames, In Hearts Wake, and Whipper King, us doing a co-headliner with them. Yeah, And that was such a fun tour. Such great guys. Bunch of people who loved working out. Bunch of people who loved being outside. Oh, I had such a good time on that tour because I really love the like Moths guys too. And uh, yeah. you know, we haven't seen the In Hearts Wake guys since then, but um, they're just putting out some new music, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, so okay, you at this point, we do that tour together. Mm-hmm. Then what's next for Phineas at that point? You end up doing um, As I Lay Dying tour. I know that, but was there some other stuff in between there? The most other like notable thing uh, was that we got to do Warp Tour, right. and that was like a, a huge uh, like bucket list thing for us. Um, and we only did half of the tour. Like I, I don't know. I sound like an asshole. I sound like I'm complaining, but no, um, no, no, it, no, it's okay. Like <clears throat> definitely not complaining. Like it was amazing. Like we had a blast. But we we got to do half of the tour, and we were not really like on a metal stage. We were the only metal band on our stage. You had like so, Chase Atlantic on your stage, right? Yeah, yeah. Who and else? Like Don Broco. Wow. And like, yeah. So it was cool. I mean, it was like all bands that like I definitely fuck with, you know? Like, what uh, happened so, was they thought you were Billy Eilish's brother. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. They got the spelling wrong, as many people do. And uh, yeah, we just ended up on the Alley FM stage and just ripped it every day. It was sick. That's so sick. In some ways, I think it kind of helped us a little bit because since we were the only metal band on that stage, we kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. But your fans came to you, but then you gained new fans by doing that. Sure, but it's it's one of those things. It's like you kind of question, like, but like, could it have been better? And it probably would have been better. Like, had we been on 
you know, a stage with like all of our butts and stuff. But monster stage or some shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I mean, you know, the monster stages were cool because at that point, I think those, if you were a fan of that stuff, you could kind of hang out with those two stages all day and you'd be happy. Oh, yeah. And people um, did, you know, people definitely <laughs> camped, like camped out. Who were the uh, highlight just, bands the years that you were playing? Oh, dude. Um, Ice Nine Kills murdered every single day. Yeah. They were just such a absolutely band. destroyed. And this is like, you know, whenever, um, like, uh, what's it called? Like American nightmare or whatever. Yep. Like they're, they're like the, the record that really popped for them. Like this is like kind of right at the time that that was out. And, um, so yeah, they were just like crushing everyone's crowds. But, um, what a band Chelsea Grand was on that year. That was before I even really knew Chelsea Grand. Okay. Um, this is so Tom just joined the band and this is that summer. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, you had unearth on there and then, I'm trying to think of bands that like I would just like watch every day. Like four years strong, Bryce and I, you know, yeah. huge pop punk fans. Like we would watch them every day. Um, but then you had stuff like Mayday Parade, the main. Like, dude, so many. Like Lauren got to come out with me for like a week on that run, and she was just so stoked because Captain you know, Handsome like, at the main. He's so good. Uh, Jono yeah. or whatever his name is. Dude, uh, yeah, John he's, he's he's a babe for sure. Yeah, you had yeah. like Simple Plan, like a lot of, lot of cool bands. The Used. That's awesome. Oh, The Used. What a band. That's fantastic. Cool. So that's a huge highlight for Phineas. I mean, everybody, I think, whoever got to do Warp Tour, that's one of those things that you'll always look back on and be like, yeah, I did Warp Tour. Like, holy yeah, shit. Dude. And, and it was the last year. So it was just like, our time is running short, you know? Like, we got to, we got to, and luckily it worked out. Like, we got to do it. So. Absolutely. You know, that makes me think we finally put up like some posters in our house and stuff. I got to go and try to get Warp Tour posters from the years that we did it and then also get the sample CDs. Um, We got to be on that CD twice and I need to own that in my life. So my children can look at it and be like, wow, dad, you were so cool. What time? What what was Warp Tour? I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, You know, Um, that's awesome. So you guys did Warp Tour. Um, I think you played some headlining shows here and there, uh, yep. around that. Yep. Um, and then we about this time, I guess. Yeah. We're meeting up. You're doing tours with fit for a king more often. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess it's been what, two years now, I would say you've been in our band at least like playing with us. Yeah, um, probably if if not like a, a little bit more, which is crazy yeah. to think that it's been it that flew long. By. Yeah. It's because yeah, we're having really the most to... fun currently. We are having, the, we are having a blast. Um, yeah. I think that things, um, despite you know the way it sounds at times, where it's like, oh yeah, I had this crazy time or whatever. Um, for the most part, Fit for a King, I would say right now is the most fun that's ever been. It's crazy to experience um the tours that we've gotten to do say like going on that ice nine kills tour and playing to a crowd like that every night is mind-blowing or um you know the uh you know a couple times we've gotten to go to europe now um particularly playing with as i lay dying that was a mind-blowing experience um yeah unreal stuff for us 
at, and uh, super, super lucky. So, you know, hopefully when everything, when everything gets back to it, it will still be the same for sure. Um, yeah, man. But it's nice, uh, you know, I'm speaking for everyone. I know we appreciate you joining the team and coming and being a member of our band now because now... For those that don't know, Daniel is officially a member of Fit for a King. We have like made a new album together that he yeah. has written on and influenced. So that's a huge thing for us. And it's cool because now uh, we are a five piece. A lot of people get confused because they just see Dan playing live. And it's not that Dan is a fill in. Dan is one of the members. Bob is also a member. Bob just happens to not tour. That's the only yeah. difference in the band at this point. Um, but do you have anything that you want to speak on for the recording of our new album? We just have to avoid, you know, the name of it and shit. Sure. But yeah. 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 So um, this, you know, kind of like when you think about like the timeline we were discussing and everything, this was um, the first time for me in a long time that I had like worked with another producer. So right off the bat, like uh, the new record for us was kind of a learning curve for me. Um, it's very we, different than most metalcore yeah. recording um, procedures, I'd say, anyway. Um, totally, totally. And I know, you know, like, listening to some of Bob's episode with you, like, he was kind of discussing, like, Drew is not really, like, a guitar guy. Um, and I am, like, the guitar guy. <laughs> you know, you yeah, know what I mean? So, absolutely. So it was, it was very interesting, like, how, you know... Um, he would just be able to like do things on the fly. And I've always kind of been like more of like a tedious, like meticulous thinker. So like it, it ended up working out like really well because like him and Bob worked like so incredibly well together. And then like, I would have time to kind of sit on the things that they were doing and think like, okay, like, well, like how could I layer this like in a cool way? So that would, I kind of like learned to like find my, my place. I would, I would say, um, throughout the the process, but at first it was, it was definitely different. You know what I mean? And it was like, kind of, I, I remember having a few conversations with you just being like, man, this is, you know, kind of hard to adapt to just because yeah. like, I have not really been in a position like this, like with a, with a producer. It, well, and, first and records are difficult too in general. Um, totally. I think because I think your band shifts, uh, I had to do that one on the mic. I'm sorry. Um, I think if a band shifts, depending on the producer that you're working with, where one of the highlights I'd say when we were um, talking about Will Putney was how much emphasis he put into lyrics with Ryan and really yeah. taught Ryan how to sculpt those things. Working with someone like Nick Sampson, you really put an emphasis on guitars and guitar tones and what you're playing and how to make that as tight and cool as possible. Now with Drew, the thing was... We were focusing on songwriting. We were like, Dude, we're not really going to care about the riffs because we need to worry about what kind of you know song we're writing, how the songs are is structured, how the vocals are structured, and um, I think he was more easily pleased with the riffs, but not sure. in a a way where it was like first thing that he gives you that you that for, okay, I'll lay it out better. First thing Bob plays, Drew doesn't just go, okay, cool, that's great, that's going to be the thing. But he yep. just has this thing in his head where he knows, where he's like, okay, that was the thing. That was what I wanted right now. So you're yep. going to just lay that down. Like, I'm not going to be super picky. Just slam it down for me right now. And we build a song together 
And before you know it, we've built an entire song in a day rather than really fixating on the little parts. And, um, you know, it allowed us. Yeah. That's one thing I will say, not to cut you off, but that's one thing I will say about it is like, I learned so much like throughout the process that like even things that like while I'm working on music at home now, like that I'm like implementing into my workflow. Um, so thank you, Drew and, and Jeff for that. Like just like the both of them are such a cool experience. Oh, they're crazy to work with because they really change your whole perception on how you write songs. It really is a mind blowing experience and it changed everything for me when before I, I never really, um, understood how what it really was to be like uh fixated on the producer side of it and you know for for drew when it comes to the writing of the record he's not really caring about what guitar tones we're using as long as it sounds good and he's not really worried about that kind of stuff but man is he worried about the hooks and what we're saying and how we're singing it and the guitar and how the song is flowing and he listens to the music all day Every day when he wakes up, when he's going to sleep, like it's crazy. It's relentless. It's on him all the time. And then Jeff helps to sculpt the tone in the end by being our like the the dude that goes through and is like, I can help you build a profile and we're going to make this this tone perfect. Exactly what you want it to be. Works on the drum tones with you makes the bass tone with you all that kind of stuff that is just so goddamn helpful and it's the yin and yang that you need to make a perfect record and not just to be i think people get fixated on making metal records which is we're gonna riff 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 until the cows come home and sometimes it's nice to take a back seat and just focus surely like purely on i'm gonna write about us record right now Um, yeah man and and they really are uh (coughs) like a, a dream team you know like and I, I immediately connected with Jeff uh, just because, like, I could kind of relate a little bit more with him because we're both, like, the, like, nerdy guitar dudes, you know? Um, oh, yeah. But as, as time went on, you know, and I was, like, learning so much from Drew, like, um, you know, we, we really started to connect a lot more. And um, not that we didn't connect at all or anything like that, but, um, you know, it just kind of – I kind of started to understand, like, his process a little bit more. And when you're so used to doing things like a certain way for so long, like, you know, like I said, I've, I've done so many of like the records that I've, I've been a part of and stuff like that. Um, so like learning someone else's process whenever you're kind of used to doing your own thing is always a little, a little different. You know what I mean? But, yeah. um, and once we, we got there, it yeah. was, you know, it, it was cool. Yeah, I'd say, you know, it, learning how, um, groups of people write their songs together is always an interesting endeavor. Um, you know, especially with our group, it is an interesting thing because it's kind of bounced all over the place and everyone gets to have their piece of the pie. Um, but overall, you know, you're kind of, you know, spending a lot of time going through Bobby playing with him and writing out structures with him. And, um, it's nice for you and I to also be able to come up with ideas on our own and bring them forward to the Mm -hmm. band. Um, yeah, what an experience. The new record rips. I can't wait to show it to everybody because it's so nice having your ability on the record now because we learned that playing live with, say, like a song like Price of Agony, where you just wrote a solo that was way sicker than was on the record previously. Um, <laughs> Thank you, man. Appreciate yeah. that. So we were instantly like, oh, wow, when we write songs like in the future, this is going to be 
awesome. So yeah, man. Yeah, it definitely changed the game having you come in. And also, one thing people wouldn't know, but you took your other ability and you did engineer on the record as well. Um, yeah, and- which is super super awesome of Drew. You know, to just even be. I think that that was like kind of the the time where I started to realize like okay like maybe this is more of my place like on this record and like the, I'm also trying to do like the audio thing you know what I mean so I'm just I was stoked just to even have the opportunity that Drew would like trusted in me enough to like lay down tracks and stuff you know um it's super cool you know absolutely so, ho- hopefully we can we can work together more uh in the in the future and not even just with fit for a king but you know like love to get plugged in more with just like the audio stuff as well so yeah, yeah i know you guys discussed that a bit so that's pretty cool um i hope that that gets to work out with you all because you all live so close to each other that it really would be worthwhile um yeah absolutely so that's crazy we've pretty much caught up to uh just about present day we yeah, made we, a we've record caught up to the caught up to the virus yeah we caught up to the virus we played a couple shows and then the virus ruined everything um that's pretty awesome i'm glad uh it's been so lovely sitting at home doing nothing um what do you you miss most other than just like touring but like when you're home like what are you missing most right now going to the gym because i have so little motivation to do things at home um Mm -hmm. there's i've always had because growing up my dad had a sick gym at the house but i just i like going somewhere to do it because then i'm like oh i'm here i have to do this yeah it kind of makes it more like you're you're there for you know to yeah for that reason solely so yeah Yeah. so i would say other than like the obvious which is the music i miss that um but you know, it really hasn't been too bad because this it's similar to when we're at home from tour anyway, where I'm just sitting here, I'm trying to write songs and now I'm doing this podcast thing and I can stare at my computer and before I knew it, eight hours flew by and yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to make some dinner and I'm going to go to bed and that's cool. Um, yeah. so oh, I've dude, been, I bet you're, I bet you're loving all the cooking you're getting to do. Bro, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm all about it. Because our grocery store is only a block away, um, so I can just hit it all the time. And it gives me an excuse to get out, even though I know everyone listening is probably like, you don't need to stay home and blah, blah, blah. And I, I have been staying home, but like I have to do some stuff. You got to so get groceries. Go got to get groceries. Yeah. And it's not like you can buy so many groceries at once. Because, like for instance, today we got the last four rolls of toilet paper that were in the store at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. What yeah. do you want me to do? The little yeah. choice left. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, it's. I'd say that's what I miss the most. Oh, what, what I miss the most. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't even get me started. I know you, rascal. dude. Oh, you could rip that song right now. Um, oh man. But yeah, I, I miss people. I miss touring. It's just you know I've talked about it already, but it was just crazy the way we went out on that last tour, how sick that last show was, the people we were around, what a time to live, like, what a time to play, it was just perfect, but, that um, that was a cool day, yeah, well, what can you do, it's all right, um, things happen, so, here we are, we've got some plans for the future, even though I'm pretty sure everything is pushed back, Mm -hmm. we're gonna play some shows, um, 
you know, I was curious also, what are the bands that you first listened to that made you play guitar? Like, give me, you know, three or five mm. of them. Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so the main one, without a doubt, um, was Van Halen. I used to, like, paint my guitars like his. Like, I, I was obsessed. That's um, sick. Oh, yeah, dude. And this is, like, probably, like, early high school, I would say. And this is before I even really got turned on to metal. Like I used to think metal was like weird and just like, you know, probably would respond to metal like my dad responds to metal now. And just like, I can't understand what the hell they're saying, you know? Um, so I was like super into just like, you know, music that my parents kind of brought me up yeah. on. Like um, Van Halen, like Alice in Chains is another massive one, which See, I know you and I have talked about a ton. Yeah, when I think when your parents are down to listen to stuff like that, you're just like, "Oh, this is cool." Like I never yeah, even, but and I never even had to think about it in a way at first where I was like, "Man, my parents are extra badass." I just thought all parents liked badass things, and sure. then you come to find out that other people's parents are freaking losers. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Alice in Chains, heaviest band to ever be on the radio, uh, dude, um, the best, the best. Like, yeah, so good. Um, no. The other one I'll say is like um, maybe like Boston was like a, a pretty big like with all like the guitar harmonies and stuff. Like I think that's pretty like reminiscent in like my playing style now, you know. So definitely yeah. draw influences from from all of those things for sure. For sure. That's pretty cool. I like that. That makes sense because you shred. It makes sense you would like Van Halen first. I was watching an episode of Workaholics yesterday where they have that stan halen guy on who's like i'm an <laughs> alpha new like <laughs> I, I haven't seen that but that is hilarious I, yeah <laughs> he's he's the ultimate frat bro um but it's a fantastic episode of workaholics that you should that's watch. amazing um okay and then give me like five bands like now or that you would say maybe um not just like made you play guitar, but five bands that actually push you to write the way you do five bands that helped you to sculpt, um, the way that you have become the guitar writer known as Daniel Gailey now, and maybe sure. even currently influenced by. Yeah. Um, well, so the way that I kind of used to like get, um, I don't know, I guess just like inspired to write records was just like kind of by bands that, um, we would tour with and stuff. So like those, uh, first like Phineas records that I was on, you know, we were touring with bands like affiance, um, you know, who super shred uh, band, super shred band, like really, really great at, at what they, at what they did and everything. And so, um, that was a band that we toured with like before the, till the end cycle. And so that I was like super just like amped to write after that tour. And um, I think for for the next record, we had done a tour with uh, This of the Apocalypse, also another like super shreddy band. I know that's also one of Bruce's favorite bands, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and so that was that was like you know kind of we had landed a, a tour with um, Sleeping Giant, and uh, This of the Apocalypse was on that tour, and so I was like really motivated to write and really inspired to write after that, and. Um, yeah, now it's it's kind of just like a, a culmination of things, you know. Like I, I, 
another thing I picked up from Drew was like just making like reference playlists and stuff for like um, the way whenever we did our you know the last record with Drew like something really cool that he does is he creates like these playlists of just kind of like this is something that I could hear fit for a king doing kind of thing you know what I mean mm-hmm. and whether they're songs that you know really well or don't know at all um, it's good to just like you know that's what those playlists and stuff are for um, yeah I think for his, us you know his big thing that he focused on and has has really helped sculpt our band was he picks everyone's highlights and he focuses on those things so yeah. when he listens to um, music he can pick up things from certain songs where it's like man I could really hear Kirby doing something like this, like, man, this really sounds like a Bob riff or this is something that Tuck would do like totally cool or whatever. Um, and it, that's a great approach to songwriting in general, which, um, cause he also, I mean, gosh, the guy has worked on, um, little peep stuff. He's yeah. done all sorts of, um, pop like shit on top of doing metal core, which is freaking yeah. awesome. Um, well, yeah. And even when we were in the studio, like, like Papa Roach came in and like, I like, you know, it yeah, was, crazy. That was so yeah. cool. How wow. cool was that? Yeah, yeah. I wish uh, you know that we could tour with Papa Roach someday. That would be, be very great. cool. So if Jacoby li- listens to this and hears it, you know, because he will yeah, probably. Yeah, nah, he's definitely gonna hear it. Um, yeah, I think right. He bought, <laughs> I think he bought Kirby's book though, so we have a connect. Yeah, there we go. Pretty cool. We're going on so. tour with Papa Roach, everybody. I've said it. <laughs> it's official. Um, it's official now. <laughs> um, yeah, that was cool. One of the best times being out there making that record. I really had an incredible time with Drew and doing that whole thing. Um, it's funny. Okay. So I just picked up, I had asked if anyone had any questions for you and I just looked at my Facebook one. So we'll do those first. Um, okay. cause two of these in particular, I, I think are important or funny. Um, okay. First, any new material coming from Phineas? Um, so I had, I had debated heavily on whether or not that I should like say anything cause we haven't made any announcements or anything. Um, okay. but, but, but yes, we, we are writing and who knows, maybe by the time this is out there, uh, it's hard to say if there'll be a teaser out by then or not. Uh, it's a little bit harder with everything going on right now, but yes, we are, we are writing a new record. Very cool. That's awesome. I think everyone will be pleased to hear that. That yep. sounds very, very nice. Oh, nice. My mother just texted me. Okay. Um, yeah. What a lady. Um, okay. This is an interesting one. I have to actually read this. And that last one was from Garrett Harlow. So Garrett, there you go. And this next one is from Cole Anderson. How do you break out of the same old minor scale patterns? How do you get writing crazy? (laughs) How do you get writing crazy weedle deedle tappy stuff? Very technical, I know. How do you keep guitars safe and in good shape on the road, especially when first starting out? What's it like being in two bands? That was four questions. That's Man. awesome. Okay, so that let's start a, with the first one. <laughs> that is a, that is a loaded baked potato right there. Um, okay, hopefully I can. All right. That, that modern that modern times got me a little buzzed, so hopefully I can remember yeah, all these. Um, yeah. Okay, how so, do you break out of the same old minor scale yeah, pattern? As far as scales, um, I don't really, to be honest, dude. Like, you're doing a, a harmonic minor scale that is like the metalcore scale, 
just change around the key. No one is going to care or know, like, just as long as your songs, like, sound different. Um, that You know, like, yeah, every now and then I will go into different scale modes, but for, for the most part, dude, like, as long as you're being creative and changing, uh, like, not playing the same thing and, like, drop C every single time, like, you can kind of make a good divide there. Um, My old yeah, band used to play in drop C. It's a great tuning. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, I, I've been, uh, I've been messing around. Uh, you know, now that I've announced writing new Phineas stuff, like obviously we're we're gonna have some stuff in Drop C, and because we always have. But uh, yeah, I've I've had a lot of fun just messing around with it because we've been in A sharp land and F land for for a while. You know. Yeah, we play in those those big heavy guys. I've been playing in B standard at home and being nice and rocking with it it's been nice but um it's pretty cool um i ryan fluff bruce hooked me up and helped me out with a guy over at seymour duncan and i'm gonna get these sweet p90s that are actually single coils for my strat so now my strat will continue to look perfect because it does but then it will also have that and imagine i was really thinking about this too i would love an Oh, I did it again. Terrible. I would love an Evertune for my Strat because think about how much space there is in in the back of a Stratocaster. Yeah, so I, I wonder, think you like, could you'd get probably me. still have to get like maybe a little bit of like uh, you probably have to cut out the body some just because Evertune is such a giant like brick of yeah of material. But yeah, that would be awesome. It would be so cool if I put P90s in it. Got an Evertune. Booyah! That's like. I'd be so happy. So um, thank you, Mr. Fluff, if you listen uh, to this. But um, he has a very good band called Dragged Under that we will probably end up taking out on tour at some point. Um, they're pretty sick. They're kind of in that the used world, I would say. Ooh, that's cool. Um, you know, he riffs. Everybody knows he riffs if you've seen his YouTube channel or videos or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I haven't player. listened to his band, but I definitely know yeah. of, of Ryan. And he, yeah, he's... They're called Dragged love, Under. Uh, yeah, I love super watching good. his videos because they're always super informative and dude definitely knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if you're looking for a way to record um, in an inexpensive fashion or you just want to learn about guitars or plugins in general, go look at Ryan Fluff Bruce's uh, YouTube page. But you probably already know about it because I feel like everyone does at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is the man when it comes to guitar and his band Dragged Under is super awesome. And if you like really fun, upbeat metalcore mixed with a little bit of that screamo influence, um, it's kind of rock and it's kind of screamo. I could see people who like four year strong liking it. I could see people who like the used liking it. I could see people who like fit for a king liking it. So go listen to Dragged Under. But um, next part of Cole Anderson's question for you. So uh, we got that's pretty much how do you get to writing the weedily deedily tappy stuff? Does that have to do with the the scale you're playing in, or how do you write your weedily deedlies? So yeah, yes, that does have to do with this the scale, but okay. also like typically we'll we'll do it the same way that we do. Like we lay down like the bare bones like structure, like you kind of get the rhythm stuff, and then. Um, the more and more you get into songwriting and stuff, you should be able to hear lines like happening in your head. You know yeah, what I mean? Melodies. Like, 
Yeah. So, I mean, whether the, whether it's for vocals or guitar or what, but I kind of think about leads in the same way that um, you should approach it the same way that you do for like vocal melodies, because um, while Phineas leads, for example, are like a little more, like you said, weedly deedly and crazy and not necessarily something a crowd could like sing along to. Uh, primarily, you would want to think like, like a, that's another thing with that Asley Dying tour that I'll never forget is just hearing the crowd like riff sing. You know, they are like, yeah, they are like, before we connect that, they are like Weedly Deedles, but I, like in my head, they're more like, like dot dots. Like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think when you see a band like Asley Dying play and people sing back the guitar melodies, it makes yeah. you think about guitar in a new way where you're like, wow, it people does. can listen to this guitar, like this instrument, like it's a voice. Um, yeah. And they're really super good at doing that uh, freak band. But um, yeah. And I think that's definitely something we tried to implement on, on our new record. I was just like, I what agree. can we hear people, you know, like singing back kind of thing. So that's a good way to think about lead writing. Um, I think I remember his other question was, how do you keep guitars clean on the road? Yeah, how do you keep um, them safe and in good shape on the road? On the road now, yeah. it, um, Bruce is uh, he yeah. helps <laughs> because yeah. I mine are breaking all the time, and without him, I would be so screwed. But uh, um, yeah, how? What would you say, Dan? So I mean, like the given is kind of just like having a good case, like depending on how you're traveling and stuff. Um, I need to be more. I mean, not anymore because that's what we pay Bryce for. But like even before, you know, I had the luxury of having someone like Bryce help me keep instruments clean. I needed to be better about keeping my instrument clean. And it's, it's really just about like um, having the discipline to like wipe your yeah. guitars down after playing and stuff. Like I play guitars with the Floyd Rose, um, which if, if that gets rusty, are, you'll be. Oh, dude. Screwed. And there's so many parts to a Floyd Rose like that you know it can just get disgusting yeah. um, and for people who aren't familiar floyd rose is basically just like a bridge on a guitar with a whammy bar that is uh totally floating so your strings are holding the tension on one end and then there are springs in the back and it allows you to do dive bombs up and down um so it's pretty you know, cool either, yeah they're they're sick but they can get gross really really easily yeah. so it's hard to it's hard to keep them clean even when you're trying just because I, there are so many little crevices and things that you know sweat and stuff can get into. Yeah. Other than uh, basic cleaning, which is just like wiping down our guitars and stuff um, before and after we play, I would say my role was always restring and clean every three yeah. days. Um, that was kind of how often I did it. How, I don't know how often do you have to restring or whatever or do your whole full cleanup. I do a little. A little less often um just because like i i i tend to not pick super hard um and so my strings stay bright for for a little longer than i think average that acid sweat you don't have that that really corrosive sweat yeah and i don't really sweat that much um but i i would say probably like every four or five shows i think is when bryce is changing strings at this point Okay. But um, and another like uh, kind of cool thing that I picked up from the studio that I have started doing uh, for people who are just keeping their guitars at home and stuff is um, the thing that I noticed with just like playing guitar at home 
is like you get like a lot of like dead skin and stuff that just like will dust or like dust and stuff you know that will you see on your guitar or whatever um so i just got you know went to like office depot or whatever and got some like air duster and um i've been just like kind of once or twice a week just like spraying the guitar sound with an air duster and that really helps like get all of those like super tight spaces clean i need as to well. do that more often I yeah it's definitely enough. good to do man they it, it, like and you can tell after doing it it makes such a massive difference uh you can like tell that the guitar even looks cleaner so yeah i need to do that i'm gonna do that um i guess it's just every time i see duster in a store and i go to like if i think about buying it i'm like oh they're gonna think i'm doing drugs um, yeah right legal drugs. um yeah man there was there was a really great band when i was in high school called crotch duster um, oh, that's a great name. I need to go back and listen to now. My sister and I loved that band. Um, okay, let me just make sure that was it. And uh, and lastly, what's it like playing in two bands? Um, well, so, I mean, right now it's kind of, I, I would say at the very beginning of when I started playing with Fit for a King, that was when I was more heavily juggling between Phineas and Fit. And to be honest, it was pretty stressful. Um, not even just on myself, but like my wife was having like a pretty hard time, you know, I was never fucking home. Um, so it was tough, man. I would, it's definitely not for everyone. And whenever you're in either band, either Phineas or fit, like be like having busy schedules, is just like, sometimes one is enough. So I would say you have to be a certain type of person to be able to handle doing two bands, like a dude, like. Chris Wiseman, who is like equal parts uh, current and shadow of intent, you know, yes. like that's hard to do, man. It's really hard to do. Um, so, you know, while I'm, I, you know, I love both bands and it's, you know, I'd love to devote time to each. It's kind of like you, you have to just make decisions based on like kind of how things are currently going with yeah. said band, you know, so. Very definitely yeah. happy that I'm <laughs> I'm only primarily busy, I guess, with with one band at the moment. Yeah, as someone who's Touring trying anyways. to do it now um, with my side project off road minivan, who has a new album called Swan Dive coming out on May fifteenth on Tooth and Nail Records, I would agree that it's hard as hell and is honestly like it's kind of annoying. Like it's tough doing both because you have to shift gears in a way and managing. Um, like for instance, in Fit for a King, Kirby and, um, really him and Corey, like do a fantastic job at running the show and making sure that we yeah. all stay informed. Jared helps a lot with social media because he's so goddamn handsome and everybody likes to hear from him. And I am so blessed that I have just become the spinny tornado of dumb things. And I am blessed. I don't have a lot of things that I have to do for Fit for a King. Uh, I don't know if it's because they love me or if God does or what it is, but something <laughs> happened where my life became that blessed. But in Offered Minivan, I have to, um, I, I run a lot of the social media and like get merch together and all this kind of stuff. Not that I make the designs Jim Hughes does because he's the man and sometimes my friend Stefan. But regardless, it's a lot to handle while we're releasing new songs 
it's a lot to shift gears from fit for a king and to put all this folks into like man i gotta make sure all these accounts post this stuff and make sure that everyone's trying to see it and promoting it and looking at the numbers and making sure people care and it is a challenge making a band and making people hear your band is very hard um some would say getting people to hear it is a lot harder than making the songs um and at times I definitely agree because uh, sometimes I feel like some of it comes easier than the rest of it. But yeah, um, I guess it depends on, you know, what you're creating. But with such a strange world that we live in where you have to really focus on advertising and marketing in order to be able to get your product out there. Totally. <laughs> so while we've kind of gone through this whole timeline of what you have done in, in all of your bands. Um, something I touched upon earlier, you worked with and tracked, um, a lot of the instruments for the band light worker for their new record that's coming out on solid state. Um, you also have recorded a bunch of the Phineas stuff. Is this something that you're still actively doing? Do you like to just receive things to mix or um, do you prefer when bands come to you to track and um, how can people reach you in order to access you to do that themselves? Sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, really I will kind of take anything, especially with like the time that we're in. I mean, maybe, you know, not having random people in my house uh, engineering stuff, for the moment, uh, you know, like probably just mixing stuff, but right now, um, definitely a no go, but we'll (laughs) say the world turns back on and people want to come record with Daniel Gailey. What's the deal? Yeah. So, I mean, I am, especially with the lightworker stuff, you know, like they just came to my place and, and we wrote a record like in my little studio room here. Um, so I, you know, I, I get jobs like that every now and then, and then I get people who just send me stems to mix as well. Um, so kind of, you know, I, I'm willing to take like any kind of job, uh, depending on the band, you know, fortunately I've, I've kind of gotten to the point to where I'm at in, in this part of my career to where I can kind of decide like what bands I want to work with, what bands I don't want to work with kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the beginning there was a lot of, uh, turd polishing going on. And fortunately I don't have to do as much of that anymore. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, like on my Instagram, uh, you can find, um, like an email link or just DM me and, uh, we can get in contact that way. Always down to, uh, take on new clients. Uh, and especially like if people need mixes and stuff right now. Um, I probably need to like make a post and just be like, Hey, like coronavirus special or something. Yeah. I mean, you definitely should. I think people would love to have, um, the opportunity to work with you and have you mix their stuff. And, um, do you have an email that they can reach you at beyond the social media posts? Yeah. So it is, uh, Daniel and then Gailey with three Y's. That's G A I L E Y Y Y at gmail.com and uh, i checked that religiously so awesome if you send something i'll see it you know the most important thing that you um tracked and mixed that i that people don't know is um 
the intro to this show because it's the yeah. greatest fucking thing you've ever done with your life. That and- <laughs> has been the, definitely my, my highlight of 2020 so far. Yeah, um, I appreciate you bringing that to life because I, I sent Daniel this stupid video of me just playing my guitar on my phone. And, uh, it'd um, be so great if you could edit the video <laughs> in just so people knew. So oh, I good. should. I really should. I'm sure I have it um, on my phone still. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. What a good time. Yeah. Um, so you've been keeping busy to some extent. Is there anything you're cur- currently working on while you're home? So yeah, like I mentioned, just like kind of chipping away at uh, uh, Phineas stuff. Uh, Sean and I have not really been able to get together during this time, but we've been sending ideas back and forth every day. And then um, there's another thing that that you know about that the people don't know about that I probably can't really talk about, but it's something that you know will probably be on TV and stuff like that. And I should hear about that in the next few days to find out if, uh, you know, that's going to happen. So, I mean, I, I am staying busy just like musically, which is, which has been really nice. And kind of like you said, helping, helping the time go by when you're sitting in front of your computer for eight hours, it's like, Oh, sick. It's dark now. Like well, I can go to bed. Yeah. And I feel like people have connected now more than ever where, um, even the thing that like you're alluding to where I just feel like everyone that's a creative right now was just like, all right, how can we all help each other to make some money? Um, let's figure this out. And people have done a pretty good job. And, um, you know, it's not the podcast has not made me any money yet, but I am just loving doing it. I'm loving talking to my friends. And it's been fun because now I'm trying to reach out to other friends of mine who have their own shows and have us all kind of um, promote each other. It's been a blast doing it. Like I said on uh, last week's one, you can listen to um, Metalcore Nerds with Sean Mott. You can listen to That's Awesome podcast with Joe from Mice Nine Kills. You can listen to A Hundred Words or Less podcast with Ray Harkins, which is probably my favorite one. You can listen to Lead Singer Syndrome with Shane Told. Bunch of cool shit. But um, this, I'm going to ask you one more question because I think that this one's funny as well. Okay. Um, firstly, if you could play guitar in any band, what band would you choose? Mm. Man. That's a, that's a tough question. And this could be um, like a singer too. Like maybe you're like supporting Katy Perry. Like you don't have a wife. Sure. Like you're, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. You can think um, big. You know, I, I think that if I could play guitar in any scenario, um, uh, it's tough. maybe it, it would be something more along the lines of like, um, you know, doing like a pop thing. Like, cause I feel like those are the guys that got it made. You, they don't have to really play anything hard. Um, you know, they're getting to just live a supreme life, you know, in the way that they travel, like, you know, it's probably like a lot of fly dates, stuff like that. So oh, yeah. yeah, maybe like, um, I'm trying to think like, who's like the biggest like pop star right now? Oh. Like I, Right now, I don't know, maybe like Ariana Grande or... Yeah, like that'd be uh, sick. You know, uh, Justin Bieber or something like that. Yeah, that'd Got be that awesome. Yummy, yummy. I'm sure I'll sing that on next week's podcast with Jared, because you can't talk oh. to Jared and not bring up Justin Bieber. Um, yeah, and you, you got to make you gotta make that boy sing. Absolutely. So. I love... Well, did you see his Shadows and Echoes drum video the other day? I have not seen it yet, if you but watch I did... The, 
Yeah. I did laugh my ass off at the Happy Easter thing and did not expect the singing at the end. It was amazing. And it's very funny. If you watch his Shadows and Echoes video that he just posted on Instagram the other day, he actually sings at the end of it instead of me because he was like, this guy sucks. I'm going to sing this. <laughs> oh, um, man. I, yeah, I got to awesome. watch that. Yeah. That's hilarious. And, uh, okay, so the next part of this question, and this is coming from Grady68W on Instagram. Okay. Um, would you rather fight tw- 250 duck-sized horses or one mm. horse-sized duck? Classic question. Um, and, and still has yet to become uh, an easy one to answer. Um... I'm not a very big guy, as maybe a lot of people who have met me through touring and stuff know. So I think that I'd probably not fare very well with either. But I think just going for like the smaller, like 250 size horses, I might, I, I might make it on top or I may like, I probably wouldn't make it on top to be honest, but I'd at least have a better chance. Than you got a baseball bat or a machete or something. Yeah. 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 And who well, knows, like, what the rules are, you know, if I've got, like, weaponry or, you know, like yeah. anything fancy. But Very true. At least horses, they have hooves, so they can't really climb well. So that yeah. will work to your advantage unless they climb upon each other like zombies do in those movies. Yeah. Yeah, man. And you um, never know what the scenarios are in that. So it's a, it's a loaded question in a way. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. Well, yeah, I think both suck. I wouldn't want to deal with either. That sounds yeah. weird. But if I could own like a horse-sized duck and maybe like ride it in a pond, how fucking oh, yeah. cool would that be, dude? That'd be great. Like if it were on your side and it yeah. was like you know your your buddies with it, like then yeah, that's the obvious. That'd choice. be great. Absolutely, I would love it. I would be a huge fan. Otherwise, uh, you've got like two hundred and fifty like you know tiny horses running around your apartment, and that that doesn't sound very fun. You wild, know. wild horses. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this episode, I've thrown in more random singing and more F-bombs than the other two for sure. Um, I well, think we've reached a new comfort level. Maybe it's the yeah. beer. Maybe it's having a beer with my boy, you know? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of that. I think that's just uh, also, like, kind of how our personal lives, are, like, cater more to also, like, yes. when we're together, you know? So. It We're ma- always having fun. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have as much fun as you and Jared do, I'll be honest. You guys go out way more than I do. Yeah, you got to start co- when hey man, when the world is up and running again, you got to you got to make some some brewery trips I with know. Us. I'll do it. I'm always that guy that's like, "Oh, I'm going to like get high and eat this cookie." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then I play Smash and I go to bed. Um, it's great. Yeah. I love it. I'm a big fan. But I will probably make some more brewery trips. Um, I think that sounds nice. I can't wait to get yeah. back to it and get back to playing Same. gigs and doing what we love and being around each other. Because it is going to be the greatest thing ever. And I'm pretty sure that our entire next year we're going to be on the road and not see anyone else but each other. Yeah. Well, it'll be nice after this uh, this lull in time and you know, just you really, uh, I don't know. I think you could probably agree that when you, you tour for a living, uh, you can sometimes maybe tend to take it for granted. And this time off has really shown. It's just like, 
damn, like we do have the best job in the world and I miss my friends and I, you know, miss, like yeah. you said, doing what we love. So 100% man. Yeah. It really does make you realize what you have. And, uh, I know I try often to keep that in perspective where I'm like, well, I could lose this any day. Like, you know, I better really appreciate it while I do. And then yeah. you see how easy it is to have it taken from you. Um, and it's not like it is every other job because it's not something that's uh, mandatory. It's not, you know, a life or death situation for anybody. Um, but when you work so long and so hard to achieve a dream like that, to see how fragile it is, is, uh, is really important and humbling, I think, for anybody to experience so totally. for us, I, I think that it's been a good grounding for us because I think we're going to come back working harder than ever. And I'm pretty sure that everyone in our camp has been working very hard. And it makes me um, feel that much more filled with joy to be surrounded by the guys that I'm surrounded by. Um, yeah, man. 100%. So, yeah. I agree. Well, dude, you got anything else that you want to plug on here um, well, before we are done? Uh, man not really i just uh i hope everyone is is safe and hopefully um you know this this podcast and uh the other episodes of your podcast that you have out can can bring people joy uh just during these weird times man um and yeah dude i just i miss you and i love you i'm glad that we could do this thank you daniel i you know it's been nice at least getting to connect with people through the podcast and that's been cool like having fans of ours want to ask questions and want to know what's going on with us because it is nice to have that um reaffirmed for you where it's like wow people actually give a shit what we're doing um yeah, man. and it's been made this show super enjoyable but dude i love you to death and i'm so thankful to have you in my life um hang on one second i want to be able to properly say goodbye to you before uh, i really let you go but we are going to end things here i love you to death daniel you're one of my best you, friends. Buddy. I appreciate you, and thank you for being on Get Tucked. Of course, man. All Love right. You, bud. Love you, too. Bye, buddy. See you, bud. Well, that was my episode with Daniel Gailey. Oh, I'm definitely feeling myself starting to break a little bit from this quarantine, but I appreciate you all for listening. This has helped me a lot to get through the time to be able to put this show together and also to get to know my guys a little bit better. It has forced us to talk, and not like we don't usually. But it's really nice, and I miss them, and I miss playing, and I miss my friends, I miss my job, and I think all of you do. But soon, we will be able to get back to that. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you got to learn some more things about Dan. He's a really incredible guy. He's a great friend. He's been there for me a lot. And the dude shreds, all in all. He is super, super talented. So, next week, we have... The guy who started it all, Jared Easterling, the tallest, largest, most handsomest member of this band. Well, I guess handsomest would really be a preference between Bob or Jared. You know, different strokes for different folks. But he's got gray hair, and I love the dude. I have no hair, and I'm me. That's it. So that was week three. I hope you liked it. This is uh, Breaking the Mirror. It's playing. I hope you like it. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys next week. Whoop whoop. Yeah.